1: Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in my home studio recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry.
2: Hey, Matt. I'm back in New York and it's Pride Month. What? 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 I mean, it's devastating that it's no longer my birthday month, but Mm -hmm, I'll give it mm -hmm. to you.
1: Yeah, this podcast is already gay, but during the the month of Pride, we get even gayer. So you're welcome. But yeah, we're back after we took last week off. I don't think we even said anything about taking last week off, but you know what? We We always have to tell you everything that we're doing all the time, okay? Just pick up on some context clues. So coming up on today's episode, what are we getting? We're going to kick things off, as always, with worst things first, where I shout about the stupidest, most ridiculous worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into straight culture. Okay? Because obviously, yes, we take down straight culture every week. Just by existing. Exactly. My life is a repudiation of straight culture but seeing as it's pride month we wanted to officially kick things off by bitching about the worst aspects of straight culture And finally, we've got comedian, writer, star of Peacock's Rutherford Falls Janish meeting on the pod. We talk about wellness culture, rom-coms, what it was like doing choreographed makeouts with Dustin Milligan, a.k.a. Ted from Schitt's Creek, a.k.a. My One True Love, and so much more. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right, horse things first. Let's chat about the worst news of the week
0: first.
1: We're in for a doozy right away. The owner of a museum for literal poop. What? In Tasmania, the Poozeum. <gasps> The owner is battling with local council members who are trying to get her museum sign taken down, which depicts a bent over cartoon penguin literally (laughs) squirting out a stream of shit over the name Poozeum.
2: What's wrong with that? They should be putting that on their flag. That's the most beautiful (laughs) image I've ever heard of.
1: Exactly. Wow. I I would even go so far as to say Shiro. She okay first of all the poosium what is it okay it is quote we're talking about poo is not taboo
2: wow it is a
1: small museum in tasmania which is a, a state in australia in case you didn't know
2: honestly wasn't sure
1: <laughs> obviously the only thing we know about it is that the, ta- the tasmanian devil lives there and it causes havoc but also probably takes fat shits that are displayed in the Puseum. <laughs> so the Puseum contains a large selection of animal dropping displays and exhibits explaining the practical uses of dung in the wild and in modern society.
2: You know what? It's very important.
1: Yeah, we have to learn about shit, okay? The problem is the museum's owner, a woman by the name of Karen Koch says that she has been subjected to years of bullying and discriminating behavior from members of the local city council over the museum's sign, you could say she's had enough of their shit. Oh, 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 oh. Right?
2: That's a good one.
1: So this argument started after the sign was put up in 2019, apparently without a planning permit. And the council says, okay, you have to take it down and reconstruct it in order to meet the town requirements. I guess they have like heritage requirements. It has to meet certain things for the town's like history or some shit. The local mayor of this town though says that they have no issue with what the sign depicts. They love the shitting penguin. But he says um, they take issue with its size and placement, which does not comply with the town's heritage scheme.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, real convenient.
1: Yeah, but the owner of the museum, she ha- is now going to like a state board. She's going above the city council. You can say that this Karen, she's trying to speak to the manager. Oh. She is alleging that council members have engaged in ongoing bullying and discriminating behavior uh to enforce the removal of her sign because she says a council member told her in a face-to-face meeting, so there's no written evidence of this, mm. that they don't like the sign and that's why they're doing this. Damn. But the mayor was like, we as a council would love to help the Pooh Museum be a successful business." Are you
2: basement. from the south? <laughs> Where is this accent from?
1: I had it for like a word. No, that's a stretch. Good I might we as a council no no nope, <laughs> no nope, we lost it there again where I don't have any sort of reference the mayor is just like listen we don't like the size we don't like the orientation of the sign which is homophobic yeah. okay Oh, oh you don't like its orientation get with it Australia. I honestly have, based on this one article that I've read, no idea whose side I'm actually on. Uh, I, you know, I would love to be on the side of the Poozeum, obviously.
2: I'm on the side of the penguin. Okay.
1: Yeah. It is a cartoon penguin. You know, if there was an actual penguin, I might have a little bit because famously all penguins are gay. Right. So this, uh, this actually is a civil rights issue now. (laughs) The owner also said that this kind of excuse that what they're actually upset about is the size and how it's too modern. She says that that is discriminatory because other businesses in the area have even larger signs than hers. So it's like, okay, double standard about my penguin shitting all over. What is the truth? Across from the sign, I love this detail, is a bronze statue of a dog taking a shit with a placard (laughs) reading "Pooby Doo. (laughs) which apparently the council has no issue with. So <laughs> I guess it is very much about the sign.
2: We need to take a field trip to this gorgeous, gorgeous landmark. Let's go down to Tasmania.
1: I will say, I mean, the sign is, it's basically the word poozium in a sort of like clip art font. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The poo part of the museum uh, of the, of the word is in a slightly larger text size. And then it's like a little cartoon penguin. And the sh- stream of shit is basically just like a squiggly line. We don't know where, where this stands right now. I guess they're waiting for this state commission to kind of give them some sort of ruling. An online petition in defense of the sign has over 1,500 signatures. So we'll see if that makes any difference. Probably not because petitions don't do shit. Next, a campaign event for a mayoral candidate in Albuquerque was interrupted after a drone carrying a giant dildo flew into the event. Hero. <laughs> here
2: <out, row>. <laughs> wow, what a gift. What a beautiful gift. So you're telling me that this, this mayoral candidate was endorsed by a flying dildo? They've got my vote.
1: Well... I don't know if you want to call just attending this event an endorsement. Okay. Attendance does not equal an endorsement. They were there. They were kind of, you know, judging their possibilities. They were trying to gather information Mm, before mm. this dildo cast, perhaps their very first vote for mayor. Anyway, video from the event posted to Facebook that I did watch shows this mayoral candidate answering this woman's question. It's at this outdoor sort of like picnic type event. When this dildo comes helicoptering in, (laughs) attached to the bottom, it's basically like a drone. And then the dildo is facing downward.
2: Like a carrot on a string situation.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you hear someone say, is that a dong on a drone? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and everyone they're sort of like giggling the guy on stage the candidate does not stop answering the question even though it is right in front of him basically it's like right within his eyesight so he clearly sees the dildo he's just trying to do that thing where it's like if i ignore it maybe it's not real maybe i'm just imagining this which does happen all the time you know when i'm mm-hmm. out sometimes i'm like is that a, a dildo on a drone no okay it's just a pigeon With a fat erection, (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) Um, Someone eventually who who is identified in this story as the owner of whatever kind of place that they're in the backyard of comes in, yanks the drone by the dildo shaft first, right at the tip, Uh and then someone, presumably the person who's operating the thing, comes rushing in from the other side to tackle the person who's about to destroy their drone. Right. Because obviously when you're flying your dildo laden drone into uh, an event where it is not called for or welcome, the safety of your drone is of utmost importance.
2: Oh, yes. But of course,
1: you would never expect anybody to try swatting it out of the sky. No, no the man very aggressively comes into the defense of the drone and like tackles the person to the ground. Apparently in this kind of ensuing struggle, the, the candidate got hit on the arm. And so the guy was arrested for like a small misdemeanor assault charge, Mm. but the man who, uh, jumped in was apparently not the one operating the drone, The candidate said he saw another man outside of the fence who appeared to be controlling it. And the candidate said that he suspects that the drone stunt was operated by multiple political operatives and that it was a coordinated effort by several trained individuals. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Trained in the art of dildo drone sabotage. (laughs) Where can we hire them? I'll I'll train in in dildo defenses myself. (laughs) Offenses, really. Oh, what did you study in military camp? Dildo drones. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, a drug dealer in the English city of Liverpool was finally brought down and arrested after police identified him from a photo he shared of his hand holding a small block of creamy cheese. Oh no. <laughs> How could cheese betray someone like this? Is what I want to know.
2: Does he really have that distinctive hands? Is he like a hand model? <laughs>
1: well, it is kind of fucked up because what they were able to do, he posted this photo on this like encrypted message board.
2: <laughs> encrypted cheese message board? <laughs> huge fans of cheese i
1: don't understand what the post actually was besides just a picture of like this this message board i don't know if it's just kind of like a social media network for like criminals
2: (laughs) it's like hey they want to share pictures of their cheese too
1: (laughs) yeah but he shares this photo of it's just his hand holding a little block of of this mature blue stilton cheese from marks and spencer which is the, the british store and he posted on this board, I guess it's just, yeah, like a message board that criminals use to share photos of cheese that they love. And unbeknownst to him and I guess the other criminals, police had infiltrated this message board. They were able to analyze the photo and identify his fingerprints from the photo. <gasps> so he must have been like anonymously posting in addition to all of the drug deals he was doing on this board he also shared, you know, here's this cheese that I really like for Marks and Spencer, this delicious creamy Stilton.
2: Swine and Cheese Night at this house.
1: They were able to go in and say, Oh, that's your fingerprint. Well, guess what? We already have it on file, and your name is this guy. And they tracked him down and caught him. They nabbed him. And he pleaded guilty to a whole bunch of charges, including supplying cocaine, heroin, MDMA, ketamine. Cool, 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 Parmesan, cool. Parmesan, I guess.
2: <laughs> I just hope he was able to finish that block of cheese before they took him away.
1: Yeah. The police inspector said that the man had been, quote, caught out by his love of Stilton cheese. And that's it for this week's Worst Things First. If you want to hear and see even more stories that were brutally cut from this week's episode, you can head to my Patreon, patreon.com slash map LSI for our extra stories this week. Next we're diving deep into why straight culture is the worst. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, Well, it's officially Pride Month, which is not just about celebrating queer people and highlighting the fight for LGBTQ rights, Of course, it's also about making straight people feel bad. Because in the words of uh, gay rights advocate Hillary Duff, the only acceptable insult is that's so straight.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: I'm Lizzie McGuire and I approve this message. That's a direct quote that she said. And that PSA from the 2000s. There's two girls and they're like, that's so gay. And she walks up to them and she's like, actually, that's so straight. And then she punches the girl in the face no. and then walks away. That's a real PSA.
2: Oh, I loved Lizzie McGuire.
1: So in honor of the kickoff of Pride Month 2021, today we're going to dive deep into the worst of straight culture. And sure, famously, I am defining straight culture as basically anything that I don't personally like. <laughs> but it is worth noting that straight people do rally around all of these things. And objectively, they're all terrible. Okay, so let's get into it
2: first
1: barstool sports
2: a fucking men
1: ugh i don't even know what barstool sports even is okay i'm not sure what former high school quarterback turned adult flop decided to just start a heterosexual content empire but society suffers because of them okay I don't really know what it is. As far as I can tell, it's just a bunch of Facebook and Instagram pages that steal jokes about how women be shopping <laughs> and how, you know, bro loyalty is more important than ho loyalty, mm, famously. Mm, mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, I'll say it, contrary to popular belief, the bar stool is a classic piece of gay furniture. Wow. Okay, what is Ariana Grande kneeling on on the cover of her seminal 2014 album, My Everything? A stool. The very fact that a bar stool is a seat to be perched atop. Okay, you don't perch atop anything else <laughs> but a bar stool. That is super gay. I would also argue that the bar stool is the perfect podium for displaying the male ass.
2: Oh, inarguable.
1: A bar stool is basically begging you to arch your lower back and present your hole like a horny baboon. <laughs> so just think about that bar stool sports. Every time you're trying to, you know, capitalize on straight culture and, you know, all these stupid memes that you're sharing with all of your stupid little friends, just know bar stools are gay as fuck. Next. Singing Sweet Caroline, straight <laughs> culture. I don't know who Caroline is. I'm sure she's a lovely woman. I don't I barely know who Neil Diamond is. I'm sure she's also a lovely woman. <laughs> what I do know is that this song has been sung at basically every sporting event. Uh, It -hmm. is the theme song of some of the straightest events known to mankind, including every baseball game played in Boston (laughs) since 2002. I looked that up. (laughs) (laughs) It's been sung at every... I knew this. I've said this before. I made fun of these gays who sang Sweet Caroline at karaoke. They immediately saw it on Twitter, and I felt really bad. (laughs) I've since deleted the tweet. Um, but I I remember my visceral reaction to it was why it's, this feels like we're at a sporting event and we are not. And then I looked it up and I was like, right. It's because this is the like theme song of Fenway Park. <laughs> and the fact that I even have to know where the fuck Fenway Park is, is straight culture imposing itself on me.
2: Disgusting.
1: OK, the fucking big green wall. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I just, sweet Caroline, I don't understand reaching out, touching me, touching you when I didn't ask for any of this. That sounds straight to me. Next! Energy drinks. Firmly straight culture. I, gay people will lick someone else's actual asshole hours after meeting them, <laughs> but at least we have the good sense never to put our lips on the rim of a can of monster. There. Okay. Gay people don't need energy from whatever the fuck taurine is.
2: I don't know, and I don't want it in my body. We get energy
1: through the sheer force of constantly feeling bad about ourselves because of pressure from society. That's what fuels me. <laughs> I don't need Monster, the devil's drink. I will say on the spectrum of energy drinks, I do think Monster is the worst. Yeah. Red Bull seems like a-, a
2: Because you can mix it with vodka, you know?
1: Right. Red Bull, I one of the very first times that I went to a gay bar, I had um, the like Skittle drink that is basically Red Bull mixed with vodka and it tastes like Skittles. Right. Because it's vodka and sugar. <laughs> so that does feel like uh, a very gay energy drink. So I would I would say Red Bull, gay culture, monster, straight culture.
2: Where does five-hour energy fall into this? See, I would
1: say straight culture, but unfortunately, five-hour energy does look like a bottle of poppers. That's exactly what
2: I was thinking. <laughs>
1: so it does it does kind of by default fall into the category of gay culture
2: but this is a spectrum so you know it's just it's to the left of monster but to the right of red bull
1: right uh let's see next fucking bumper stickers (laughs) announcing how many children you have okay great I'm i'm glad now i know that your husband busted in you seven times and you got a little sticker for each one you shit out I don't need to know how many babies you have on board. There is very specifically those little cartoon bumper sticker things. I didn't know for the long, for the longest time I thought that was like a logo for something. (laughs) And then I realized, oh no, you get a little sticker for each baby that you have. And you add that to your, your little car family.
2: I think everyone who has that should just like get that tattooed on their bodies instead.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, luckily women just kind of bear the visual effects of having children. <laughs> Rude. Rude. <laughs> what else? What else? Straight culture. Asking children if they have a boyfriend or girlfriend in class. Asking kindergartners. <laughs> oh, so do you have is that your little girlfriend? No. They're four years old. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and they're in love, Matt. Okay. They are in love. Even I mean, again,
1: similarly, this it's like when you have little clothes for babies that are like ladies, man, or something. (laughs) Even
2: I'm sorry, but even when it's like future feminist, it's like maybe they won't be actually. Yeah. Maybe they're going to
1: suck. Maybe you're actually creating a monster by imposing this vision on them too early. and, And then naturally, because of human psychology, they're going to rebel against it my assumption is that we should be teaching all children the wrong things Mm. so that they rebel against it and then actually learn the right
2: things. Brilliant.
1: Perhaps the epitome of straight culture, three in one body wash, shampoo and conditioner, no self-respecting homosexual, whatever slather on a lotion that had more than one purpose. Okay. And sure. Do I acknowledge that perhaps this is a classist argument, okay? Perhaps it is cheaper for for someone to go out and say, buy a three-in-one body wash shampoo conditioner. You get everything in one. Okay, it's cheaper than buying one of each. I acknowledge that. If you are purchasing this product because that is the financially prudent thing for you to do, fine. If you have the means to buy one of each and you're buying this shit, fuck off.
3: You're straight. You're <laughs> you absolutely straight. straight.
1: You are absolutely <laughs> blowing a fat load into your
3: girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> raw. Uh, it
1: is, it is, uh, I think, offensive to the individual shampoo, conditioner and body wash communities. Mm, mm. Okay. Each of them has a specific purpose and you can't just jam in all these chemicals into one perfect lotion that is, that is doing all of it. Okay. Okay. I also think that there is something distinctly queer about having a multi-step beauty regimen. Oh, yeah. It is about the routine of applying one thing at a time in a row.
2: You have to deconstruct
1: that soap. Yeah. Gay people aren't getting ready in five minutes. The point is, respect yourself enough not to buy into some of these straight culture staples. Okay? And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got Janish meeting on the pod
4: right after this
1: commercial break. My guest complainer today is comedian, performer, writer, podcaster, beater, star of the new show Rutherford Falls, Jana Schmieding. Jana, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you for having me,
1: Matt. I'm so excited. So we like to get our complaining juices going uh. by asking, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves?
3: Well, you know, I, I like to like couch my complaints in positivity. So I will say mm-hmm, to like sandwich mm-hmm. that, like, uh, I do love complaining.
1: Good, good. Perfect show for you.
3: <laughs> I I think that the first thing that like, I hate the most that like comes to mind mm-hmm. pretty much every single day I confront it is what I will call white lady wellness culture. <laughs>
1: Okay. Okay. Does, okay, that, does yes. that
3: sound familiar? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: I have a vague sense,
3: uh-huh, uh-huh. but
1: I would love for you to elaborate.
3: Oh God, it's just—it's just sort of like it's a—it's a thing that has been. Um, I mean, it's been happening forever, but I mm-hmm. think that we're really like—I think that like Instagram has like really propelled this world into the mainstream. I feel like there's just a lot of like. Um, surface level self-care talk that Mm -hmm. doesn't actually address systemic issues (laughs) like doesn't address actual care but Mm -hmm. like makes women believe that like facial oils and yoga are gonna like solve all of our problems with like health and like acne (laughs) right yeah I've gotten trapped into believing many of them and I've made purchases that I couldn't afford. I have somehow believed people on Instagram strangers, people I've never met, people who mm-hmm. I couldn't give a any fucks about. I have believed their snake oil right. sales pitches because it worked for them. And like it just drives me fucking crazy that we have this like wellness culture as women that's going to make us somehow feel empowered or like believe that we're better people for mm-hmm. being well also the concept of being well is just like so exploited <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. i can't stand how the pressure to like be well like wellness
1: let me let me just kind of fester. I think we should be celebrating the festering. That is that is how I live my life. <laughs> yes.
3: Like, <laughs> let me just be. Honestly, like, I just... Like, I don't... Nobody wants to be fucking unwell. Nobody wants to right. be sick. So, and, uh, like, the pressure to be well, it what it does is ultimately... And, like, I look everything as, like, a systemic injustice. Uh, mm-hmm, probably, probably because I'm a Native person. But, like... wellness culture more widely like touts these beliefs that like if you're not well or if you're not trying to be well, Mm -hmm. then you're a bad person. Mm -hmm. You're a bad woman. If you're like eating Doritos like or if you're like anti-wellness you know what I mean and that right. like, aligns itself with a lot of really negative shit like fat phobia mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's like cultural appropriative behavior and it's racist because we're not attacking the actual injustice of like
4: mm-hmm.
3: universal health care like you know what we could do for people who need to be well or practice wellness or self care is give them free access to health care yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck I don't your need fucking Instagram facial font. oils. No, yeah. I don't need a fucking <laughs> Instagram post about it. Like, just tell your representatives to, like, pass a fucking Obamacare. Right, right. Christ. <laughs> I get very heated about it. Yeah, (laughs) it also like dips into another thing that I hate, which is like a witchy, a witch, a crystal-loving witch, white woman. Mm -hmm. That oh Mm -hmm. god, don't even get me fucking started on the crystals. It's woo-woo bullshit, is what it is.
1: It ties into. I feel like I've heard the term toxic positivity more uh-huh. um, in the last few weeks than I ever have. It's probably because it's that thing where, like, you hear something for the first time and then you hear it everywhere because your brain <laughs> yes. is like, "Oh, right." But yeah, I, I know some some people like that, and I feel like the the toxic positive people are the same crystal loving people. <laughs> They're like the Venn diagram. It goes
3: hand in hand. Yeah. You know what I love to um to help me like feel like I'm grounded or present is therapy. <laughs> I need therapy. That's man. my crystal exactly. You know what I would love is like not to be in a living in a very racist country. That mm-hmm, would help mm-hmm. me feel more grounded. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know what a crystal is going to do. I do know that it probably came from indigenous land Mm -hmm. and it was procured in an unethical way. (laughs) And now I'm holding it, Uh believing that it has some kind of magical power. No, no, no.
1: That being said, I would feel better if my therapist charged herself in the moonlight. That would make me feel better. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) she might be more receptive to some of the things that I'm saying. Just an idea. Yeah. Yes. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on all of these items so far. And
3: it's okay if you're not. Also, because I am like, you know, I have a lot of friends who I have native friends who are crystal lovers. Like I have I live in a world where. Every other f- white friend of mine is somewhere on this spectrum. Uh, <laughs> the crystal so, spectrum, yeah. <laughs> the crystal specter, <laughs> if you might. Um, and so I, you know, I don't hate the player. I hate the game.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think there was some perhaps other items that we were going down the, the list of things that you hate.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I... <laughs> This list is all over the place, but... That's uh, great. I love that. (laughs) Sort of adjacent. um, Something I really don't like, and I'm trying really hard to find an appreciation for it, are rom-coms.
1: Okay, okay. Not a fan.
3: I find them to be corny. I find them to be bad. Mm -hmm. Filmmaking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're attacking this on all fronts. (laughs) The writing, the filmmaking. Uh...
3: (laughs) I can't think of a single rom-com that I like like a lot of people are like but when Harry met Sally Uh and I'm like yeah I don't know it was bad I can't (laughs) Um, I just have a hard time I also think that like uh, the source of those, maybe maybe some jealousy, or maybe some like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just like angry at it because I never had a rom-com in my life. But therein lies the problem. You're selling a dream that will never fucking happen. Right, right. The reality is m- m- oh, men, s- fucking straight cis men are trash. Mm-hmm. They're fucking <laughs> bad at romance. And how dare Hollywood peddle a idea that like romance equals happiness. Right. It really doesn't. And and it hasn't proven to be true in any of my friends, like long-term relationships either. Right. Right. It seems like a fucking nightmare.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is the one thing the past year that I've sort of, you know, I don't, I don't want to take too much pleasure in the, in the kind of misery of others, but some couples have been going through it and I'm like, well, uh. You you see?
3: (laughs) Listen, you made a choice. You made your king-size bed and now you must lie in it, I guess.
1: But similarly, it is, you know, if I interrogate those feelings for even a second, it is... Pure jealousy.
3: <laughs> Truly, it is pure jealousy. It's like uh, a very clearly my own insecurity about like not scoring as much as I wish I would have exactly. in my younger years and in my adult years. I mean, and also being single is such a like a privilege. <laughs> right, actually, right. It's like so liberating. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think uh, ultimately... I got turned off by rom-coms early on because they were just so blissfully ignorant of all of the actual realities of mm-hmm. love and dating. And I don't know. Will I end up writing a rom-com for myself? Maybe. Have I been brainstorming one? Maybe.
1: <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I. We've known one another for 15 minutes, and I am uh, endorsing this idea. <laughs> Count me in. Anyway, I thought I there might be one more.
3: Oh yeah, but this one is way, way, way out there.
1: This one's okay. so weird. Okay. Okay.
3: I almost feel ashamed we dropping it, it, but um, <laughs> I have a third one, and it's outer space. Uh huh. Outer space as a concept, outer space, the actual place.
1: <laughs> is it because it is scary? Or uninteresting.
3: Yeah. So outer space is it's it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's like it's too hard. Like it's just like smarter than me. Right, right. It seems like a a world of math. And uh that's not a friendly place to me.
1: That is the one of the things that I'm like completely okay with just never thinking about. Mostly because if I think about it for more than five seconds, I will lose my goddamn mind. I like <laughs>
3: will break out in hives. It is genuinely um,
1: terrifying to me how big it yeah, is. Yeah,
3: I feel I feel the same way about like a uh, deep sea yes. or like the middle of the ocean. Uh-huh. Like like, I hate the sh- the show. Um, what what's that reality show about the people who crab? They go and they they oh, like right. I don't,
1: it's like you extreme know, crabbing or something. I don't know. It's, yes, it's, it's not like, that, but it,
3: yes, <laughs> might as well it is. Be. It's extreme crabbing. And it's like the most dangerous game is what it's like called, but it's apparently it's just like the most dangerous job to have mm-hmm. is crabbing in the deep sea. Yeah. Like it looks terrifying. <laughs> it's a horrible, horrible
1: place. Yeah. The fact that there are places in the ocean where a wave could turn over like a boat the size of the Titanic.
3: No, is
1: unfathomable to me.
3: It's horrible. Like a, a wave that's like stories high and you're on a boat and you're looking straight ahead and that's the wave and your boat is going to go up it. Like, no, thank you.
1: I can't. I can't even think about it. But those were all all great things to hate. Okay. So I wanted to ask about Rutherford Falls, obviously. we've We've mentioned the show a bunch on the pod before. For people who don't know, I'll just summarize. It's about these two friends. They're lifelong friends. It's you and Ed Helms' character, Nathan. Their friendship is tested after the mayor of the town decides to move the statue of Nathan's ancestor. And then your character is left kind of juggling her loyalty between Nathan and her own people, the, the fictional Minishonka Nation. And one of the things that makes the show so unique is how many Native people were involved, both in front of the camera, but also behind the scenes.
3: Yeah, it's the first show to really highlight the Native experience, the contemporary Native experience. Mm -hmm. And there were five Native writers in a 10-person writing room you know it's the first of many native shows that are going to start popping up and it's really funny for that reason it's really it's really nuanced and it is both hilarious and specific but i think it challenges sort of our what we're experiencing right now culturally which is like you know some holes are being poked in american history and um Native people have always been talking about those holes and trying to defend our own history Mm -hmm. in the face of like a more whitewashed historical narrative. And so we brought a lot of that, um, those experiences to the writer's room. And I was a staff writer on the show as well. Mm -hmm. So I had the fortunate experience of working with other Native people in a creative field for the first time in my life. And it was just an extremely joyful experience. And I think you can see the joy in that, in the show.
1: Yeah, that is the thing that I think. There is that now, I think, fairly dated notion that, like, you can't, like, be funny, but also deal with, like, real shit in the world. And, like, those ideas absolutely not mutually exclusive. You (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Totally. uh, Totally. It's about coming from a place of love and and understanding and and relatability.
3: Absolutely. I think that a lot of the issues that we deal with are specific to the Native experience, Mm -hmm. but they're universal in their their presentation. And I I think uh, especially because our show... Deals with real characters and it goes more in depth with these people Mm -hmm. who are dealing with these more systemic issues. It's more relatable for anybody to understand, like, what is it like when a big idea that I have has been challenged or when a big philosophy that I hold on to has been challenged? But also, these characters interact with a lot of different things despite history. You know, Mm -hmm. my character, Regan Wells, has a love interest. She has a little rom com. Right. Uh, storyline you know and it's like there's stuff like that and there's a native CEO of a casino Mm -hmm. and I think largely what we know culturally of um, like native people are often depicted as like casino Mm -hmm. owners or lovers and they're often like depicted as like corrupt or tricky or you know like just money hungry but we go in depth into the character of Terry Thomas and explain why he does what he does and the values that he brings to his work the point of the show is not to confront stereotypes at all Mm -hmm. but we do in our writing simply because we are trying to tell stories about people. And I think that that sits in direct conflict to stereotyping. It doesn't generalize human beings. So right. we're giving these people like lives outside of what they've normally been depicted as.
1: Yeah, exactly. Not to follow that with something completely flippant, um, but...
3: <laughs> oh, please. Please, please do.
1: <laughs> Your love interest in the show is Dustin Milligan, who I, not gonna lie, would do, um, you know, would... <laughs> You you can finish that sentence.
3: <laughs> I know he's a he's a smoke show. Yeah, he's not only a smoke show, but Dustin is also a very like intelligent and thoughtful person. Mm-hmm. He's perfect for the role because he understands his positionality in our culture uh-huh. and in, in the world, and so like I he and he's just like such a cool dude right he's just a cool person
1: it would have been uh, honestly better for my my mental well-being if you had just said he was a piece of shit and i should I forget know. about it
3: <laughs> i know i know i wish i wish he were i wish you were a little bit of a piece of shit although i will say that like having kissing scenes with a off-screen piece of shit would have been terrifying for me
1: right right
3: so it helped that he was like a very cool friend and like a gentle person yeah. to like make that experience a lot less scary for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I like now that I've done that, I cannot imagine being a person making a show or making a movie and having to like make out with an asshole, right, like right. a real prick. Oh my God.
1: Yeah. If I'm projecting my, uh, my own experience onto this uh, idea, I would say, You know, if it was someone who is like super nice and kind and friendly, I'd be like, okay, like we're in love now, even though we're doing this for a show (laughs) and we did this take 15 times. This is real. And I'm going to ride this.
3: (laughs) Well, luckily, uh, you know, I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anti-rom-com <laughs> uh, so like averse to romance sure. and Dustin is married to an amazing woman right. who right. I also respect very much so that helps totally like a friendly situation mm-hmm. and we also had like an intimacy coordinator which was like yeah. if you want if you need anything to like kill your boner about something bring an intimacy coordinator <laughs> into the mix like <laughs> Yeah, they really know how to cut that tension with a dull knife.
1: I know. I, I'm only kind of like a little bit aware of of exactly what an intimacy coordinator does, but I imagine it's it's pretty. Clearly at choreographing <laughs> this hand goes here, yes. this lip goes here, etc.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like I, I do. I think like it's really good to have an intimacy coordinator, mm-hmm. even for just like any kind of romantic scene, because the thing that I freaked out about and that I had like nervousness about was the choreography. Yeah. I was like, if this is going to be a fake kiss and like not m- a real kiss that I'm going to like do in my life. Uh-huh. I need somebody to tell me, like, and, and my the, the director of that episode, uh, Sydney Freeland, she's an amazing queer Navajo woman. She has done a ton of Grey's Anatomy. So she
1: mm-hmm.
3: she's, like, worked in uh, drama a lot. She was the one who actually came up uh, when we were going to shoot this scene. And she was like, all right, here's what's, what it's going to look like. And she took her hands and, like, made them into fists like this. And she was like, all right, the first kiss is you're going to come in like this and she like presses the fist together uh-huh. and then you pull away and she goes and then you're gonna come in again and it's gonna be a boom and a boom and she just like turns her fist <laughs> like this like the faces uh-huh. and I was like okay 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 great great, great 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 okay so that's and I'm gonna go to this side and like <laughs> it's like very the like visual aid was so helpful. right
1: yeah honestly I I hear that and I'm like I just need that person to follow me around all the time <laughs>
3: like no, i was like oh god this the clarity uh-huh. i like there's nothing that i wanted less than like this like this on screen kiss scene to be like a bumbling, like embarrassing mess right. with my friend, Dustin, <laughs> like, Oh God, I just was like, please just tell me exactly what to do. Right. Right. <laughs> so very helpful to have a uh, person on there. Choreographer.
1: Exactly. Kiss choreographer. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're running, we're almost out of time. And I, I wanted to move to uh, a segment we call elaborate hate which is uh, having you elaborate on some tweets of yours where you've expressed your displeasure of something. You do have some great ones.
3: Oh God. Yeah. I'm such a hater on Twitter,
1: (laughs) but I love it. And this is the place for it. One that I love is I'll just read it verbatim. Instacart, babe. If I've said it once, I've said a million times. no, I will not tell us how we did. The person always gets a tip and a rating. And that is the end of the fucking feedback cycle. <laughs> I strongly relate I was just talking about this
3: Does every website need to ask for a rating? every fucking website asks right now. right every single one
1: and as you know obviously a podcaster you're, you're always asking for the ratings and the reviews and you know they help etc cetera, etc cetera. but you've done the tip you've done the rating. Why do I have to write a paragraph about my groceries?
3: No, and also like there's like two tiers of ratings on Instacart. You're rating the person, the actual mm-hmm. work. There's maybe three tiers because sometimes they're like Postmates, for example, has like three tiered rating. You're rating and reviewing the person delivering the food. Right. You're rating and reviewing the product. Right. That you got like the food. Like okay, now the the restaurant needs a rating, mm-hmm. and now Postmates, the app. <laughs> We also want a rating. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What, how many fucking ratings? Do, who do you think I am? Do you do you think that I have the time yeah. when I'm eating my food or I'm unpacking my groceries to be clicking the <laughs> stars on the, on the app for two hours? No. No,
1: no. And it's always like... Uh, it, uh, my thing is, it always happens three hours later where it'll be a pop-up okay. that's like, tell us how we did. And I never... It's out of my mind at that point,
3: babe. I forgot. Right, I'm three episodes into Town. I don't fucking know. Yeah, you did fine. If you didn't do fine, I would. I'll call you. How about that?
1: Right. That's the thing. If if you're really upset about something, like they're gonna find out. Like they don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Another tweet. Uh, this one was from. February of this year, I'll go for an hours long walk. No prob. But the second you call it a hike, get the fuck out of here. Agreed. <laughs> oh, that is also very uh, L.A. thing.
3: Yeah. The L.A. obsession with hikes. Come on. Like, mm-hmm. we get it. You're in shape. You're do, <laughs> You're. this is like this is part of my wellness bitching. It's like, all right, fine. Like, I, I I'll go for like a walk. That's like has some hills and valleys in the woods, but like, I don't need to call it a hike. It's just a walk. The second hike is put into the equation. Right. It's a fitness activity Mm -hmm. and there's expectation.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. The second elevation is introduced into the equation. I know my calves are going to hurt. I know my feet are going to hurt
3: yeah my lungs are gonna hurt i am a person who is like a very anti like public exercise mm-hmm. i mean i'm not anti it for anybody else but myself yeah but i also like when i was on the apps i'm not anymore largely because it's a trap but um <laughs> when i was on the apps True. so many men were like first date let's go on a hike like What are you talking about? And never.
1: Yeah, yeah. Never.
3: Not only not the not the first date, not the last date, not two years down the road, babe. We're not gonna work out together. That's not who I am, and I don't want to date you if that's who you are.
1: Yeah, that was a big thing uh, throughout the pandemic. It was like you know, let's go on a walking date because it's something you can do outside and blah blah blah. And it's like I. I am sweaty from the walk from the subway to the bar. Yeah. (laughs) I don't need you to see me doing any movement (laughs) for longer than like two minutes.
3: No, no. Exercise is private. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Keep it that way.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay, one more. I hate when ghost hunters pray out loud for ghosts to show themselves. It's so embarrassing. These masked dudes just absolutely simping for ghosts in other people's homes. (laughs) Honestly, five-star tweet. I would leave a review on that tweet. Five-star tweet.
3: (laughs) Please review how I tweeted that. Um, (laughs) First of all, ghost hunters, you need therapy, okay? Why is it? always men or women grappling with their (laughs) sexuality that are just like, they have the spikiest hair. Uh They're always from Philly and they are like, they just go into either abandoned things or other people's homes and they fucking impose their weird radical spiritual beliefs upon an environment Mm -hmm. and vocally. It's embarrassing. It makes me blush thinking about like adult men sitting around in a circle being like, Robert, Robert, is that you come out? (laughs) Come out, Robert, Uh, move some, turn on a light, turn on a light. If you, if you, if you want to say something, we're here. We want you to say something like, and then sometimes it's like they taunt ghosts. They'll be like, What's the matter? You're too afraid to come and, and fuck with us? It's like, man, you have got work to do, okay? Yeah. You need some what white women call self-care, uh, sir.
1: Yeah. Like, Check out this Instagram ad for face oil <laughs> you might consider instead of what you you're doing. Consider-
3: it's just what a what a genre of TV that we have created. It's truly a monster Like yeah. and, and nothing ever happens. It's like, bud, you are going about this in all of the wrong ways. I don't know what to tell you, except like, please tune into the other five shows on the History Channel that are like this. Yeah.
1: Also, in this world of ghost hunting, it's also like the ghost is just like some dude like just leave him alone you you know even even in this kind of you know mythology you've built up it's just like a guy (laughs) you're just like it's just a man yeah (laughs) just let him be it is also
3: yes it like exposes so many like uh in my opinion like falsehoods about what may or may not be the spiritual realm Uh but like the fact that like you assume that first of all the person speaks English Uh (laughs) and second of all that like ghosts are trapped in spaces like they cannot leave this like home that like you did a little bit of research about the history of this home and you found out that like a girl died of cholera in 1845 and that is who must be the ghost so we're gonna (laughs) call upon this little girl like leave her alone, man. She had cholera.
1: And that she just exists as like her exact self, but with like the opacity turned down to 50%. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
3: Oh, she's like as she's dying, she's the the great creator is like turning her <laughs> opacity right. like uh, down and down and down. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, well, on that note, where can people find you and your work?
3: Well, you can watch Rutherford Falls. Mm-hmm. I have a podcast about weight, stigma, and its many intersections. It's called Woman of Size. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Jana Unplugged, spelled in a very <laughs> uh, America Online, like Yahoo chat Right, way. right.
1: <laughs> You'll find it. You'll find it. You'll find me. Well, thank you so much.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that help all the bad shit go down easier. Starting with Do Better White People, where we highlight some anti-racism resources and other actions we could take to make our world a little bit better. Barry, what are we highlighting this week?
2: This week, I wanted to highlight an organization. It's called Ali Forney. It is the largest and most comprehensive nonprofit organization that is dedicated to helping needs of homeless LGBT youth. I feel like we've talked about this on the pod before, but if you need a reminder, LGBTQ youth comprise a super disproportionate number of the homeless population, they are eight times more likely to experience homelessness. So this organization has a lot of different programs, which is one of the reasons why I was excited to shout it out. They have emergency and transitional housing. They have HIV care and prevention, job readiness and education, and like a lot of other programs. And there are a bunch of different ways to get involved. So if you want to donate money, you can do that on a one-time thing. You can do it on a monthly thing, but you also can do a ton of different types of volunteer opportunities. They do like meal prep, volunteering, tutoring, a bunch of different stuff. So there's a link in the show notes. If you want to get involved, I believe it's New York based, but that they also work nationally. So you can check them out. The link is in our show notes. Beautiful.
1: Awesome. Let's get into the TV. We've been watching this week, Barry, what you've been watching.
2: Well, the last weekend it was rainy almost every single day Mm -hmm. and I was like, ooh, finally, I can just watch a shit ton of TV and not feel bad about it. So I did. And one of the things that I had mentioned I was going to watch and I finally got to watch was the third and final season of Shrill. And this season was by far my favorite, in large part because a lot of people who we've had on the pod, who we love, they had like bigger roles and it was so funny. Joe Firestone fucking kills it this season. I, there's like one specific scene that I have rewatched multiple times. I have shown you it multiple times. Guess what? I've watched. It even more times than the times that I showed you again. Um, so yeah, if you haven't watched Shrill, I think the season is really great and it's wrapping up, which is a bummer. But um, that is what I watched this week, in addition to some other stuff that I think you're probably gonna talk about. So, what are you watching this week?
1: I'm sure we've talked about both of these shows, but hacks and Meraves Town. Oh, Town just finished.
2: What a turn, what a twist, <sighs> what a fun, fun little mystery show. Yeah. And by fun, I mean absolutely devastating.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was really fascinating to go between like Mare of East Town and Hacks. And to oh, have yeah. the Gene Smart connection between both of them, going between them <laughs> in this emotional roller coaster. But yeah, watching both of those. Also the Bo Burnham special on Netflix, I'm watching.
2: Oh yeah, I want to watch that.
1: It is very uh like existential as is a lot of Bo Burnham stuff. But I enjoy it. Love it. What is your non-TV chaser?
2: My non-TV chaser obviously involves you. Um last weekend over Memorial Day weekend, uh you and I went on a beautiful, wonderful Manhattan day where we like went out to brunch on the Upper West Side, and then we hung out in Central Park. And then we went to the Met and we spent like three hours at the Met and I didn't realize that like you haven't been there very often, and I love the Met, um, which is a very unique thing about me, actually, is that I like going to one of the most famous museums in the world. Um, but we we did all that, and it was super fun. And I haven't been to a museum since, you know, the whole pandemic situation. And I really love museums, and I'm excited for this. Most people are like, oh, summer, time to go to the beach. And I'm like, oh, summer, time to go to the museum because it's cold in there. Yeah. So I'm excited that's for big this. One to be summer of the museum and get back into going to a bunch of different museums because fun fact New York has a lot of museums so gonna be going to those
1: true true
2: really brought me a lot of joy that day what about you
1: same we did have we had brunch at this place and got an appetizer that was cinnamon buns (laughs) uh essentially like a combination of monkey bread and cinnamon buns and it was I still think about it it was really good but my other chaser is Ola Poppy. It is a, uh, it started as an advice column by the writer John Paul Brammer, JP. Brammer on Twitter. And uh, now it'll be uh, a book and it's nice. coming out this week. and I, I I really love it. He's like a queer Latino writer who is, you know, I feel like uh, I'm I'm always a little uh, skeptical of advice columns. But I feel like he does a really fantastic job of like being very empathetic and funny. And um yeah, I there's definitely been, I subscribe to his his newsletter, which is um, you know, Ola Poppy, and he answers questions. And I feel like there are so many that I I find very helpful. Nice. So perhaps you will too. And That's it for today's show. So thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. If you want more Unhappy Hour shit, and I'm sure you do, head straight to my Patreon page. You'll get video of bonus Worst Things First stories that were cut from this week's episode. You'll also get video of the full extended guest complainer interview, a bunch of other fun stuff. Guess what? You can also buy merch at unhappyhourshop.com. And obviously, as always, head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get podcasts, hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna weiss and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkleberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellasai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. You can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, bye bye Borderline. Feels like I'm going to lose my mind. And I just hear, hear, hear our love over the borderline.